0: This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. Welcome back to Dollars and Change, business powered by Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. We are, we've just finished up a really (laughs) exciting discussion about recycling. We learned a lot and are going to change our ways in Mm -hmm. some sense. And now we're going to go to another favorite subject of mine, food. Mm -hmm. We'll be talking with Oren Hesterman, who's the president and CEO of the Fair Food Network, with more than 35 years' experience as a scientist, farmer, philanthropist, businessman, educator, and passionate advocate, Oren is a national leader in sustainable agric- agriculture and food systems. Um, at Fair Food N- Network, they believe nothing is as important to our future as food. And, boy, I, I kind of agree with that. <laughs> Oren, welcome to Dollars and Change.
1: Thank you very much for having me on today. Wonderful.
0: Well, so, um, it, it is true. We we recognize that, that food is important. And in our office, we've got an open office. And so we are always talking about food and sustainable food (laughs) and how to recycle and places that cut their food waste to zero. And so this is an area of great interest for us. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what the Fair Food Network does?
1: So the Fair Food Network is a national organization founded on a belief that vibrant local food systems can create health and economic opportunity for everybody in communities. And um, so uh, we are especially focused on those who um, are in vulnerable communities with our Double Up Food Bucks program, helping those who are uh, receive food stamps or SNAP benefits access more locally grown food. But we also have uh, an impact investing fund called the Ooh. Fair Food Fund, where we are helping support early stage entrepreneurs in developing businesses that are showing the way toward the future of a food system that's uh, healthy for communities and healthy for families. And how big is that fund? That fund right now, uh, we have about three and a half million dollars invested, mm-hmm. and we are uh, building from there. Good,
2: good. Very cool. And so let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, when you say f- like food, it's a huge umbrella, right? We've had guests on who are just talking about getting iron into diets and guests who are just talking about... Insects. Insects, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the new protein, or how to use the, every bit of a pineapple and where they sell all the parts to. So it's a huge charge, you know. How does the Fair Food Network and how do you or in focus within that gigantic, you know, issue space of yeah. food, yeah, issue and opportunity space, um, how do you pick what's what's the priority?
1: Well, you know, when, uh, when we... Um started Fair Food Network, um, we, we really started it um, understanding that at the, on the one hand, one of our greatest challenges is that many families lack access to affordable healthy food. And on the other hand, there are many farmers, especially smaller farmers and younger farmers who struggle to earn a fair price for what they can produce. And we don't think there should ever be a question of whether we're supporting hungry families or local farmers. We have to do both mm-hmm. for a healthy food system for the future. So this is really at the heart of our work at Fair Food Network, looking at, the, at food as a system, not trying to solve one problem at a time, but really imagining what a system could look like if it could be healthy for families, healthy for communities, healthy for the economy, and then developing solutions that we think are are win-win solutions, good for families and good for farmers.
2: And can you tell us what one of those win-wins looks like? What is a, um, you know, what is a, a model that you guys are advancing or supporting?
1: Sure. One of the models is called Double Up Food Bucks. I was just going to say. It, it's a healthy food incentive program that helps low-income families buy and eat more fresh fruits and vegetables while supporting farmers and growing local economies. And here's how it works. Um, A person who receives what we now call SNAP benefits, used to be called food stamps, goes to a participating farmer's market or grocery store and spends $20 of their food assistance or their SNAP benefits on locally grown fruits and vegetables, they will get an additional $20 of Double Up Food Bucks to spend on more fruits and vegetables that are grown by local farmers. So we're basically creating an incentive to bring those SNAP dollars into the local food economy, bring those SNAP dollars to support local farmers, and use those SNAP dollars to get much healthier food for your kids, fresh fruits and vegetables. That's an example.
0: And that's a, and that's a great example. I mean, I, I think it it's, um, really points to the incentive on that. I know, for instance, here in Philadelphia, we were blessed with a number of, of farmers' markets, is that an issue? I mean, how many places is it the case where there's really not easy access to a farmer's market right. to the Can local food? Can they get food? to these places?
1: And that's exactly why with Double Up Food Bucks, our uh, growing edge of this program is really in, in retail grocery stores. Ah, okay. I mean, we, we love farmer's markets. Uh-huh. I know I do. I love farmer's markets. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I you know, anytime I can, you know, what I say is no matter what city I go to, if I want to find the happiest place in that city, Whoa. I go to the farmer's market.
2: I can't disagree. I know It's and, a nice, it's just, they're consistently pleasant yeah, places. They, so.
1: they um, are, they're great. And you know, some markets are very diverse, pull in um, people from a real diversity of of backgrounds, of economic backgrounds in the community. And many markets, you know, you can go on a Saturday, maybe another day of the week. So we know that for a program like Double Up Food Bucks to really expand and meet the need and demand that's Mm -hmm. out there and the opportunity, we need to move into where most people get most of their groceries, which is at the grocery store. Yeah, and just in terms
2: of efficiency, like I consider going to the farmer's market sort of a a luxury, sort of a treat, yeah, exactly, But because you can't go and get, at least I can't, everything I need there. So it's like if you have time for the grocery store and the farmer's market. So it makes sense that you're going to grocery stores. What's we, the we started, um, reception been to the program? how How much is it utilized?
1: Well, we started with just five, nine years ago, five farmers' markets in Detroit, Michigan. We now are have the program in close to four hundred locations all mm. throughout the state of Michigan, um, farmers markets and grocery stores. Uh, and we're working with partners in more than twenty states across the country now, from Oregon to Texas to New Hampshire. Uh, more than 600 farmers markets and uh, close to 200 grocery stores now um, are um, participating in the Double Up Food Bucks program. Yeah. So it is – it's just – you know, we have good evaluation with this, and it's uniformly um, accepted and um, and really valued by customers. Uh, you know, they uh, – customers are using the program um Close to 90% of the customers who use it in our survey tell us they're eating more fresh fruits and vegetables because the program's there. We know farmers are making more money, and they're gaining a new customer base. So it's it's working for everybody.
0: You're listening to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Uh, if you want to give us a call, we're at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And we're talking with Oren Hesterman, who's the president and CEO
2: of the Fair Food Network. So, Oren, I'm wondering, you know, you're... You're talking about the incredible opportunity to help folks get healthy foods into their home, maybe get new food, you know, foods that they don't typically eat or prepare. And I'm wondering how you are also working on this sort of behavior change. And I ask because I myself will go to the farmer's market and say, oh, wow, look at those you know, beautiful beets or whatever. And I just don't know how to cook them. So I might buy a bunch and then are they going to rot on my counter because I'm not going to have the motivation to figure it out? So what else, you know, do you think needs to be done and what are you guys doing that helps, you know, that behavior change from, okay, I'm actually going to buy this because I feel like I know how to get it cooked it cooked yeah. and into the bodies of my family <laughs> in a, you know, manageable way.
1: Right. Um, so a couple things on that. One is that in the, in the research that we did at Fair Food Network leading up to starting the Double Up Food Bucks program, we wanted to learn as much as we could about what the, what the greatest barriers are mm-hmm. to families, especially low-income families, eating more fruits and vegetables and getting more that kind of healthy food in their diets. And what we learned is that access and affordability are, by and away, the greatest barriers. Knowledge about What constitutes healthy food versus non-healthy food Mm -hmm. may be an issue for some. And the issue of do I have the space, time, and knowledge to cook and prepare it can be a barrier for some. So when that is a barrier, we partner with other organizations. So we'll partner, for example, with a program called Cooking Matters that helps folks learn how to prepare these kind of foods in their homes We'll partner with uh, organizations that are involved in the SNAP education program to help um, with the the knowledge of uh, how to prepare good food, how to develop recipes, how to develop healthier menus. So we'll partner with other organizations that do that kind of work, and we really focus at Fair Food Network on what we believe are the greatest barriers and thus the greatest opportunities, and that is access – so we have more locations with double up available and affordability. Get the fruits and vegetables affordable through the incentive program.
0: So we we've been sort of talking about the the consumer food side. Let's flip and talk about more about the farmers, right? Because I know that, uh, I mean, my goodness, farming is a is a especially the. the the old big farms. It's a it's a hard job, you know. And I I know a lot of farmers. There's a lot of urban farmers in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. A lot have shifted to CSAs so that they have mm-hmm. some, you know, predictability in their in their revenue. What are you seeing from the the farmer side? Are are people going into becoming farmers?
1: One thing we're most thrilled about with Double Up Food Bucks when we um, worked with Michigan State University to do a study on how Double Up Food Bucks was functioning in, especially in rural communities in the state of Michigan. What we found is that the farmers that are benefiting the most from Double Up Food Bucks are what you call beginning farmers. Those farmers who have been in business mm. for 10 years or less and are tend to be younger. Mm. Um, so we we realized that the Double Up program, while being really great for low-income families, is also really great as a support system for um, Younger farmers who are starting up in farming businesses,
2: and, and why is that? Like, how does that come to be that it is those farmers whose products are purchased? Is it that they're making more basic crops that folks I can identify easily and want a lot of, like lettuce and tomatoes? Or what's driving that?
1: Well, part of it goes back to the the whole issue of um, with the farmers' markets that the farmers can sell directly and thus earn more of that food dollar directly, So that's that's part of it. And then the other part is with, we have a a very strong um, commitment to local produce and supporting local farmers with the Double Up program. So that even as the program goes to grocery stores, we are encouraging more procurement from local farmers. So as the as farmers are growing larger and they are able to fulfill the wholesale distribution systems that go to these grocery stores, they are actually part of that distribution system. They don't get left out because um, of cheaper produce that might come in from somewhere else. We are selling telling to the stores that are participating in the program, we need to make sure that a healthy percentage of the produce you're purchasing are coming from local farmers.
0: And that's what, we, there's a, a organization here in Philadelphia called Common Market, mm-hmm. and basically what they do is they sort of get the food from the farmers, aggregate it, and then push it out to
2: bigger uh, industrial, or sorry, institutional things like Aramark, et cetera. Folks so, who want to purchase a ton of onions right, versus right. You know, individual that. bushels.
1: You know, I, I love Common Market, and, uh, you know, um, Haile Johnston, who Started it with his wife
0: Tatiana, uh, Tanya. Yeah.
1: They're they're great uh, friends and colleagues in the field. Before I started Fair Food Network, in fact, um, I was I spent time at the W.K. Kellogg Foundation um, as a grant maker and was able to um, establish the Kellogg Foundation's work in sustainable agriculture and really seed the local food movement and common market was one of the grants that we oh, were able to make from Kellogg thud. Foundation to help them get started. So I've really followed their work over the years. And, and it's a great example of what's happening in the food system. Um, you know, common market being able to establish itself, aggregating production from local farms, supporting those farms, and also getting that food into schools, restaurants, and stores that need that healthy food. Great, a great organization doing great work.
0: Yeah, and I think one of the things that I, I like about their model and, and the, frankly, the things you're talking about is the, the local food, when you think about it, is so important, um, both because it, it strengthens that local economy, mm-hmm. but it also is fresher. It doesn't have to be trucked all over the place. I yeah. mean, you know, you, you've got... Uh, kind of regional areas that you can have different food supplies mm-hmm. you know it's it really solves a lot of those mm-hmm. those freshness issues um, right. and we know that a lot of that the amount of produce that is tossed because it's it's overripe mm-hmm. or it's gotten rotten or it doesn't
2: last long is huge and so it hits that waste issue as well yeah and the environmental footprint yeah. right when you think about a head of lettuce being grown in pennsylvania being eaten here in Philadelphia versus one that is grown in California, California tr- you know, put in a refrigerated truck in a, you know, van that's using gas. Um, much, much, much higher, higher you know, I've seen, dollars I've seen and cents et- costs. I've
1: seen estimates that um, the average number of miles that food has traveled to get on our dinner plate is 1,500 miles. Wow. Yeah. So you're you're absolutely right. Like cutting those food miles down so we're eating more locally is hugely important for our economy for our environment and for the you know the taste and experience of great fresh foods.
2: So um as we think about you know, I'm, I'm very, I I'm have a very action-oriented mindset today. I think because we started with our recycling mm-hmm. expert who gave us, you know, <laughs> actionable steps we can all do. What are some things that you, you know, you want to get out there to, to our listeners? What are some behavior sh- changes or shifts that would really support all these activities?
1: Great question. So, I, I mean, back in uh, 2012, I published a book, Fair Food, Growing a Healthy, Sustainable Food System for All. And I I put about a third of my effort in that book into trying to answer exactly this question. What what can we do about this? We know there are issues in our globalized food system that need to be changed. And what I say is start where you are because everybody has a role to play. We are all involved in the food system, in our agricultural system, if we're lucky, three times a day. You can start in your own home and kitchen, right, by focusing on – where you're purchasing your food, where it's coming from, how many miles it's traveled, supporting local farmers.
2: And so, what does this look like in reality? You go into that farmer's market, hey, Sandy. So let's say, let's let's meet me where I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's six o'clock. We haven't thought about dinner. Yeah, last night, and I stop at the grocery store. Is it picking up, you know, the two bags of grapes and saying, "Okay, well, this one's made in California and this one's
1: from Chile?
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, You know, what are those what are some of those behavior, specific behavior changes?
1: I also think about when I when I go to the store, even if it's even if it's in a rush, I want to see which apples were grown in Michigan versus Mm -hmm. which apples were grown in Uh, South America or even in Washington state.
2: Yep. Okay. So So there
1: are are lots of ways in the grocery store or a farmer's market, but don't stop there. You know, what I say is we, we have to get the food system right. If we don't get our food system right, nothing else really matters because after all we are made from the food we eat, how we're going to do this is not by, we're not going to shop our way out of this issue. We're not going to, Eat our way out of this issue. We're not going to cook our way out of this issue. All those individual actions are really important. And what I encourage people to do is move beyond individual actions.
0: Okay. So,
1: for example, think about if you've got youngsters in school, if you have older children in universities, if you work in a institutional setting, whether it's a hospital or a um, a university city or county government yes a university think about all the food that we are purchasing institutionally that is being purchased and eaten every day if we started thinking about making commitments that twenty percent even twenty percent of that food that's being purchased ought to be grown locally, we start changing the system by doing that
2: and so is the I'm trying to to put this into very sort of practical terms because our listeners aren't all the head of purchasing for, you know, a university or school system. So, is it as a consumer, like, how do you move the needle? Do you say to, to the person that you're purchasing the food from, like, can you tell me where this was made and hope that ultimately that rolls up into them saying, hey, our customers care? Is it, um, you know, tell us some but, more of the very specific as action an items. How do we yeah. make those institutional changes
1: so, happen? So, something that is encouraging me probably the most about where I see the food movement going over the next uh, five to 10 years is the incredible energy that's happening on college campuses around this. You know, when I, when I was um, starting my career, our cause was the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm of that generation. And um, also sort of a back to the land cause. I actually started my journey with the food system living in a teepee out in California on an organic farm. And that's where I got sort of inoculated for this. What I see so encouraging is college students these days that are really taking up um, food sustainability and local food systems as a cause that they see as important as the cause of ending the Vietnam War was to me when I was their age. And they are demanding that better food, healthier food, and more locally grown food comes into their cafeteria. So they are doing the work. They are finding ways to get together. And in college campuses all over the country, we're seeing commitments being made for a greater percentage of that food coming from local sources.
0: You know, and that's an interesting point. I have to confess,
2: I don't know what's going on here at Penn. So there's a big new PR campaign. Have you seen these, like, shop Penn flyers? Uh Uh-huh. And stickers and stuff, they just redid a big food court student food court, and Nick Ashburn and I went the other day and a lot there's a tremendous amount of local food oh okay. um, it's it's very much, and I can't speak to the specifics, but it's very much geared towards this is you know Philly burgers from Pennsylvania cows and uh, a lot of smaller like there are no to the best of my knowledge, no major chains in there. it's all sort of smaller you know uh, local companies that have a couple right a couple Philly restaurants. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a, a trend in that direction. The thing I'm always curious about is the price sensitivity, and so yeah. that's something we'll have to explore uh, in the future on the show, right? Because that's.
1: Just... But, but how how cool is that? I mean, you're you're asking how how can we do this, and there it is happening right mm-hmm. right yeah. around you, yeah. right surrounding you. And I would say that in my experience working in this field, this is happening all over the country. It's not just Penn. It, you know we see this kind of movement happening everywhere we go, and it's really encouraging.
0: Yeah, and so I think that that's I think that is true. There's always this sense about whether there's price sensitivity, whether whether it'll it'll change and to what extent you do it. But every time there's a little bit of a movement in there, it helps to build the the demand and the activity. And so I think that um, certainly we see it here in Philadelphia and apparently even now on campus Mm -hmm. at a food court I haven't been to yet. So that's, I I think, a good cause for optimism. Well, we're going to have to take a break at some point. So, Oren, do you have any sort of last words in 30 seconds or so that you can give to
1: our listeners? Just that there's never been more innovation and ingenuity to revolutionize the food industry, it is happening now, and um, organizations like ours and the kinds of uh, investing that is starting to happen in these uh, food businesses that are really disrupting the system and pointing the way to the future is another real hopeful sign. And. Um, Glad to have your listeners uh, get in touch and learn more about uh, what we're doing with the Fair Food Fund, with Double Up and other of these kinds of uh, disruptions with Fair Food Network.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. We've been talking to Oren Hesterman, President and CEO of the Fair Food Network. When we come back, we will be talking with Diana Aden who is uh, an inspiration in, in many ways, and we'll have a great conversation with her. So this is Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. When you want to give us a call... We're at 81844 Wharton, eight four four 942 7 We'll be back.
2: For more guest interviews,
0: check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.